All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about Julio Jones's contract situation, the Falcons' offensive line, musical chairs, as well as why the Falcons have struggled historically against the Minnesota Vikings. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Friedman. Been covering the Falcons for many years on Twitter at Falcons, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. This daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, as well as the opening week of the 2019 NFL season, is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Go ahead, use the promo code Locked On. It gets you 20% off at MacWeldon.com. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about sort of why the Julio Jones contract situation is taking so long and sort of when that deal will get done. We'll also sort of talk about sort of the musical chairs element going on with the Falcons at the right tackle position. Who's going to start? We don't really know who the Falcons starting five is going to be, which is crazy. Uh, when you look at it, uh, when we're a couple of days away from the season opening game, and we'll sort of talk about the potential ramifications of that in Sunday's contest. And then we'll talk uh, quite a bit about some of the reasons why the Falcons haven't had a lot of success against the Vikings over the years and, you know, what we what needs to happen in order for that to change on Sunday. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into the Locked on Falcons lead story. Uh, much has been made to do recently with the Julio Jones contract situations. Some outlets have suggested that a potential holdout is possible. However, that would probably go against everything Julio Jones stands for. Julio Jones doesn't have a history of holding out. He's never really missed a day of training camp, despite multiple contract negotiations over the year. And while he has regularly skipped voluntary workouts in recent years, most people understand the meaning of the word voluntary. The question with Jones is when will this deal get done? Jones is expected to speak to the local media after Falcons practice on Thursday and deal or no deal, he'll likely be peppered with questions regarding his contract situation. The Falcons 2019 season kicks off on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings and it would be odd if a deal isn't done by then, especially after early quotes this week from owner Arthur Blank, indicating that he too would be surprised and disappointed if a deal isn't done by kickoff Sunday afternoon. What is a little surprising about the situation is the, the Falcons have been working on this deal for over a year. It first started coming up in May of 2018 when Jones skipped some workouts, some offseason workouts, indicating he was unhappy with the current deal that he had signed way back in 2015, which at that point in time had three more years left on it. The Falcons made a minor adjustment to the deal, giving Jones more guaranteed money in 2018. Everybody's seemingly happy, particularly when the Falcons you know, publicly promised that Jones would be, quote-unquote, taken care of in 2019 after the 2018 season. Well, we're now nine months into the calendar year of 2019, and so far, Julio Jones has not been taken care of, and while nobody should panic about this situation, it is notable and noteworthy when you consider how busy a week it has been 
in regards to contract extensions around the rest of the NFL. Just in the last week alone, we've seen players like Ezekiel Elliott, Jared Goff, Lyle Collins, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Hayden, Cody Whitehair, Miles Jack, Ben Jones, Rodney Hudson, and Stephen Hauschka all signed contract extensions with their respective teams. Right now, it is indeed extension season, which falls quickly on the heels of trade season at the end of roster cuts and whatnot. Now there are sort of wrinkles and raising concerns about Jones's potential lofty contract demands could be holding up the deal, which would also be an interesting wrinkle, especially when one considers that the Falcons reaped relative bargains on their most recent extensions for defensive tackle Grady Jarrett and middle linebacker Deion Jones earlier this summer. Now, it's difficult to call contracts worth 68 and $57 million, respectively, bargains, but in terms of the guaranteed money, the Falcons, air quotes only, paid 42 and a half and $34 million, respectively, to Jarrett and Jones. Uh, those two figures pretty much pale in comparison to some of the recent guarantees handed out to other players at Jarrett's and Jones's respective positions. For example, New York Jets gave middle linebacker C.J. Mosley $51 million guaranteed in his contract this past March. That $17 million difference in guaranteed money between Mosley and Jones's contract will be paid over the next couple of years, and arguably that savings that the Falcons will have will be able to be put towards players such as tight end Austin Hooper and linebacker Devondre Campbell, both of whom hit free agency after this 2019 season. So it's really the guaranteed money for Julio that may be the most important figure. And it's notable to see sort of which contract Jones and his agent, Todd France, are working off as a template. Earlier this offseason, Antonio Brown got $35 million in guaranteed money from the Oakland Raiders after he was traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but is essentially getting paid about $50 million over the next three seasons. New Orleans Saints gave wide receiver Michael Thomas uh, $61 million in guaranteed money on his five-year, $100 million contract earlier this summer. My expectation has been that Jones's contract would probably include guarantees somewhere in that $50 to $60 million range, but perhaps Jones and his representation are looking to well exceed that, and maybe that's the holdup. But really, at this point, all of that is speculation, and we'll just sort of have to wait and see sort of what the final numbers say for Julio Jones's new deal, which should be coming very shortly by all parties' indicators. So we'll continue this conversation um, talking about the Falcons offensive line, uh, talking about why the Vikings defense has had so much success and what the Falcons can do to change that uh, upcoming on this Locked On Falcons podcast. But when you get a minute, go ahead and travel over to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code Locked On. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they still will refund you. No questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just for every day of life. I'm not a big shopper. I'm the type that doesn't want to spend a lot of time thinking about my purchases. I just want to get in, get out, and go. You know, that's one of the reasons why I like shopping online. 
Um, and Mac Weldon makes things simple because I know that I can get premium products that are comfortable and you can too. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code locked on. Again, check out MacWeldon.com and use the promo code locked on for 20% off your first order. So, you know, we don't really know at this point in time, as I'm recording this Wednesday night, who's going to start for the Falcons at right tackle week one. We don't really know who's going to start at left guard, although we have an inkling of an idea. Most of the reports indicate that James Carpenter has been taking the majority of the first team reps in practice this week. So we're assuming there's a reason for that. And so therefore, Carpenter is going to start week one. But a wrench has been thrown into the situation at right tackle um, when today we learned that Matt Gano, who's been taking most of those first team reps these past couple of days of practice, was listed as limited on the Falcons first injury report with a back injury. Garner was the only Falcon player to appear on that report. Obviously, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Everybody's healthy. But, you know, maybe this is a minor back issue and, and maybe Garner will be back at full strength later this week um, and thus not derail the possibility that he could be making not only his first NFL start, but also his first NFL game action, at least in the regular season. But if he's not nicked up, I mean, if he is nicked up and not at full strength, do the Falcons turn to someone else like a Caleb McGarry or a Ty Sambrello? You know, I think we've been counting down the days for Caleb McGarry to get his start. And, you know, the big issue with Caleb McGarry is going to be conditioning. Is he ready to go and play, you know, 70 snaps potentially uh, in a game and do it at a high level going up against guys like Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin and et cetera? McGarry has indicated this week that, you know, conditioning is his biggest issue. Dan Quinn reiterated that point as well. It's funny because McGarry sort of indicated this week that he doesn't know who's going to start at right tackle when, when media members asked him. And sort of my initial reaction was like, yeah, right. You know, I'm, I'm a cynical guy. And I was sort of like, well, yeah, right. You know who's going to start. You just, the team knows who's going to start. They just, you know, haven't to- told everybody not tell anybody. It's like, we know exactly who's going to start. But then, you know, when you find out that Gano's on the injury report, it does make you be like, okay, maybe they actually don't know because they have to monitor this situation. And what's going to be interesting with this, and I've talked about this briefly on this podcast, is sort of this musical chairs that the Falcons are playing up front, you know, questions, you know, raises questions about whether this offensive line is going to have the continuity and stability that you're looking for at that position group. And I, you know, I thought it was interesting because I came across an article you know, last week on Pro Football Focus about the Vikings blitzing uh, that I thought was very interesting. Uh, maybe I'll link to it in the in the show notes. But, uh, you know, it was written around week 12 last season, so it's not necessarily reflective of the entire season, but it certainly has some interesting tidbits from a statistical standpoint. You know, according to this article from Pro Football Focus, the Vikings blitzed on about 25% of opposing teams' dropbacks through the first 12 or so weeks of, of 2018. The league average at that point was about 27%. So the Vikings weren't a heavy blitzing team. They blitzed a, a below average amount by league standards. You know, and that accounted for about 103 dropbacks at that point in time. But on those 103 dropbacks, they registered about 10 sacks, which is a really high sack rate. And opposing quarterbacks, comparatively, when they only rushed four guys, the opposing quarterbacks had a passer rating of 93. But when they blitzed, that passer rating fell to 73. And we know that the Vikings and Mike Zimmer love those A-gap blitzes. They love 
to do some overload blitzes where they drop Harrison Smith down into the box and have him rush as well. You know, showing that A-gap pressure where, you know, you, the offensive line has to account for that. The running back has to account for those two A-gaps. Uh, linebackers, which is typically Barr and, and Kendricks. And then they have Harrison Smith coming off the edge, looking like he's covering a tight end, looking like he's covering but then he comes off the edge and, and often will come free to get a pressure and whatnot. And so the Vikings, you know, this article was basically indicating the moral of the story is the Vikings don't blitz a ton. But when they do blitz, it's very effective. And it's it's going to be interesting to me because with this offensive line and questions about their continuity, will we see that sort of repeat itself uh, this upcoming Sunday? Because you know, I, I feel like, you know, people think, oh, you know, we have Alex Mack and the blitz is not an issue. But what's been interesting to me is both in 2016 and 2018, I felt that the team really struggled against the blitz, at, at, you know, for large portions of that season. That any time a team brought five and six man, you know, they would often get at Matt Ryan. I think that's been one of the reasons why Matt Ryan has been hit so much over these last couple of years. Um, I felt like the Falcons were a lot better against the blitz in 2017. But you do wonder a little bit about the communication factor and how, you know, that's going to help if you have, if you're, you know, James Carpenter, who's gotten what, two weeks of work with the ones um, and then, you know, was alternating with Jermon Brown for the first like two, three weeks before he got hurt and then was out of practice for like two weeks. You have, you know, Matt Gano, who's basically gotten two weeks of practice with the ones. You have Caleb McGarry, who's gotten, you know, was on his way. Dan Quinn has mentioned this a number of times that at the time where he, he got injured, whatever you want to call the issue with his heart, uh, an injury or whatever, um, that he was on the verge of starting to take those first string snaps. But then, you know, Sam Brelo continued on due to uh, McGarry's heart issues. And then we, we Sam Brelo got the majority of those reps. And then, you know, Sam Brelo struggled against the Jets, got hurt. Then Nagano was taking over. And so, you know, I do wonder if like, this is not necessarily the Vikings, you know, this team is not a team that you want to have some of those issues. So I am very curious to sort of see whether or not the Falcons, you know, offensive line will hold up. You know, the, the Falcons have invested a lot in this offensive line and improving this unit this offseason. And, you know, this week is going to be as big a test as they're going to get. Um, you know, I, I would argue the Eagles are an even bigger test. But, like, again, yeah, these first two games are going to be two of the bigger tests that they're going to have this season from an offensive line standpoint, to be able to hold up um, and protect Matt Ryan and, and help out this running game and, and do all the various things that, you know, the Falcons want to do offensively. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm very curious, sort of sitting here today, you know, on Wednesday evening, wondering, you know, in a couple of days when I'm recording my rapid reaction on Sunday evening, what I'm going to be saying about the performance of the Falcons offensive line that you guys are going to be listening to next Monday. So that, you know, right now I have no idea. I have concerns, but I'm always concerned. My excuse is not pessimism. My excuse is like when you, you know, understand football on a deeper level, you, you can't just sort of be as dismissive as maybe other people are about like concerns and, and thinking every game is going to be a cakewalk and whatnot, because you just don't think about, it. you know, ignorance is bliss is what I would say. But um, we'll, we'll just have to sort of see how it plays out. But we'll come back, talk a little bit more about the, the issues that the Falcons are going to face going up against this Vikings defense and, and you know, how the Falcons can potentially overcome that um, in just a moment. 
But, uh, you know, football is finally back, and DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy and has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday, tonight, with the Chicago Bears facing the Green Bay Packers, kicking off this 2019 season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. To play single-game showdown is pretty simple. Just draft six players from the season opening game, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code LOCKEDON will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing will get those juices flowing like having a shot at a $1 million payday. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the code LOCKEDON for a limited time. New and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users don't want to miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter the code LOCKEDON to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code locked on only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Now, guys, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course, you would take the money. So why do you keep picking winners but not bet on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this season on football, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can bet on games after the kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through you multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the code Locked On to activate that offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So the big question is, why do the Vikings have so much success? You know, I'm not going to necessarily spend. I could probably spend thirty minutes breaking it all down. But it's pretty simple. You know, And we, when we talk about success, why do the Vikings have so much success against the Falcons? You know, the last two outings against the Falcons in 2015 and 2017, the Falcons scored 19 combined points. And really, you know, their only touchdown in, in those two games was a garbage time touchdown to Nick Williams uh, in the fourth quarter of that 2015 game. You know, the big reason why the Vikings defense has been so successful against the Falcons offense, in my opinion, is discipline. And when I, and I've talked about this before, but when I talk about discipline, I'm not talking about not getting penalties, although that's a factor in it. You know, discipline is tackling well, you know, being in position, doing your job. And, you know, while on yesterday's episode, I questioned whether or not this Vikings defense is as good as it has been in recent years, I still think it's a very good defense. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody thinking Aaron thinks this Vikings defense is bad. To me, it's really a question of are they a top five, top three, top five level defense like they've been uh, the last couple of seasons, or is this a top 10 defense? Still good, but not necessarily elite type of defense. You know, what's interesting about the Vikings is no defense over the last three seasons combined has given up less big plays than the Minnesota Vikings have. Um, And for the Falcons in particular in these two matchups over um, over the last two matchups over the last four seasons against the Vikings, they've had a combined four 20 plus big plays in those two games. You know, for those of you that aren't in the know, four is roughly the number that you want to get on the weekly basis. So to have, you know, four in two games is, is not a good number. And they only had one in that 2017 game. Um, 
you know, the one of the other issues the Falcons have really struggled against with the Vikings, they have struggled to move the chains, particularly in that 2017 game. They converted just one third down that entire game. Of course, no defense has been better on third down the past three years than the Minnesota Vikings. And of course, no defense has been better at preventing touchdowns in the red zone over the past three years than the Minnesota Vikings. And you want to know who's in second place in terms of defensive red zone efficiency over the last three years? Oh, it's some team by the name of Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so, you know, this is what I talk about, and I've been saying this since the schedule came out, when I saw Minnesota and Philadelphia penciled one and two on their schedule, and I was just like, man, the schedule makers are really screwing over the Falcons. I think they can beat both of those teams, but I'm not confident at all that they will beat both of those teams. I think really the best case scenario for these first two games is a one and one record. I would love to be wrong about that. I would love the Falcons to beat both of these teams, but I think one and one is the best case scenario, and I think zero and two is a realistic possibility as well. So that's why it's going to be interesting. Because I think you know we'll we'll sort of see what my thoughts are. And my thoughts on the Eagles aren't necessarily fully formed, but sitting here today, I feel like the Eagles are a much better team than the Vikings, just because I think the Eagles' offense does a lot more interesting and exotic things. And I don't know if the Vikings are really that type of offense. But before I talk about the thing, I'm going to finish wrap up today's episode talking about. I want to make it clear. I don't think any team is fully formed in week one. I think we all know that, that the team that you show up for week one is not any way, shape or form the team that's going to show up for the other 15 games that you play in a season. Um, But I really do think it's important for this Falcons offense in particular to come out and punch this Vikings defense in the mouth and bloody them. Um, And I think if they can do that, then I will be pretty confident in to say that if they can do that against this Vikings defense, then they should be able to do that against any defense in this league that they'll face, whether it's in September, whether it's in January, whether it's potentially in February. And I think a similar sort of situation applies to this Falcons defense. I don't think the Vikings are a great offense. They're probably like the eighth best offense that we will face this entire season. But one of the things I've said over the years on this podcast when determining how good a defense is, and whether or not a defense is legitimately good or just fake good, as I think the Falcons have been for the most part at the times when people have talked about, you know, the defense coming together and being good over the years. You know, I think it really boils down to every offense has goals. It has a game plan. It has a checklist. It has things that it wants to do. The 2017 season opener against the Bears is a great example of this. The Bears wanted to have Mike Glennon manage that game. They wanted to run the football with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. They wanted to their defense to to shut down the Falcons offense, and they knew if the defense played well and then kept the Falcons offense in a low-scoring game and and they could run the football and, and Mike Glennon didn't get into this sort of straight drop-back passing attack, um, they would have an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win that game. And that game went exactly how the Bears scripted it. And the Bears were on the doorstep, and if not for, what, two, three drops in the end zone, they probably should have won that game. And then, fortunately, the great Brooks Reed uh, you know, came in and sort of had the game-sealing sack to sort of ice that game away. But like that's what I mean when I talk about this Falcons defense and when I'm critical of this Falcons defense is they don't really do a good job of stopping other teams from doing the things that they want to do. What is this thing that we talk about with Bill Belichick all the time is he's going to take away your best asset. He's going to force you to play left-handed. And that's been an issue for the Falcons. They don't really stop teams from doing exactly what they want to do. And I think with this Vikings team, 
you know, we know we talked about this with Luke on yesterday's crossover episode, but they want to run the football with Dalvin Cook. They want to be able to get Diggs and, and Thielen going and have those guys move the chain to get some uh, some big plays going. And I think it's going to be really important for this Falcons defense because I think, again, relative to some of the defenses that they're going to face in the early portion of the season, like Philadelphia, like Indianapolis, like Houston, like the Rams, you know, I think this Vikings defense, I mean, this Vikings offense is a lot less scary than some of those all other offenses are. And so to me, this Vikings offense, by and large, is to me a, an execution-based offense. They're not going to be scheming up all these various things. They're going to run the football. They're going to run play action. You know, it's not to sit here and say that they're the vanilla or anything like that, but it's not really an offense that you. I think you really have to be scared about in terms of all the different dynamic things that Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski are going to be throwing at the Falcons. Now, I could wind up being wrong on that when we get to Sunday, but um, I think this is a perfect opportunity for this particular defense that needs sort of this confidence boost that's been getting hype for years, not if, if not only months, to sort of come out, okay, it's an execution-based defense or offense, and so that means if we can go out there and execute and we can be that disciplined team, we can tackle well, we can stop the run, we can fill our gaps, we can be in position, we can slow down this Vikings offense and really shut them down. And even if our offense doesn't you know, score 27 points or whatever that number is, uh, if they only score 19 points, well, maybe we can win a game 19 to 17, you know? Like that's what I that's what I want to see from this Falcon team. I want to see a situation similar to the Bears game. Like that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm thinking it's going to be similar to that 2017 Bears game, but I'm wondering who's going to be controlling the game. Is it going to be the Falcons or is it going to be the Vikings? And I think, you know, when you look at that situation, if it is a 1917 game, that on at least in theory seems like that plays more to the Vikings favor than it plays to the Falcons favor. But I do want to see this this defensive line. I do want to see this front seven stop the run, stop Dalvin Cook, and also get after Kirk Cousins and really make him have a long day. Like, again, if you can't, as, as Luke said, if you can't do it against this Vikings offensive line, there's no reason to think you're going to do it against any of these much better offensive lines that they're going to be coming up against in the coming weeks and whatnot. So, like, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for the Falcons to come out swinging and, you know, Obviously, my questions are, historically, the Falcons haven't always come out, certainly the last couple of seasons, haven't always come out out of the gates week one uh, in the Dan Quinn era. Really, only that 2015 game against Chip Kelly's Eagles was really the last time the Falcons really came out of the gates, you know, firing on all cylinders. And even, you know, they're just, you know, they, they win games in September, don't get me wrong, but it's one of those things where we typically don't see their best ball in September and with this schedule, you know, that's that's going to be a, a much bigger issue, in my opinion, in 2019 than it has been in previous years, where you've had a couple of teams that were not necessarily, again, not to say cupcakes, but um, you've had some teams that weren't necessarily juggernauts in the sense. And I think all many of these teams, you know, particularly these first two of the Falcons are facing, are teams that have Super Bowl aspirations just alongside the Falcons. And they need to come out of the gates firing. And I'm I'm hoping to see that on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to this Sunday game. Excited to see sort of what team it is. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to be surprised by, you know, a lot of things. You know, I've been sort of dismissive of various things over the offseason. Oh, that and this and that. And I, I hope, look, I you know, you know me. I, I, I love being wrong. 
I don't love being wrong, but usually the, the old joke I had um, with a with an old buddy of mine was that when I was wrong about the Falcons, it usually made good things happen because I, I tended to be a lot more pessimistic. So I'm hoping that sort of sticks uh, this upcoming weekend. So we'll, we'll just sort of have to see. Hopefully tomorrow's episode we'll be talking about Julio Jones. I don't know. Uh, the fan talk that I wanted to do wasn't going to come through, so we'll come up with something to talk about tomorrow. Um, I might even bring on a guest if, if the Julio Jones deal doesn't come. Oh, I mean, if the Julio Jones deal does go down, we should be able to get a guest. But if it doesn't go down, then we'll just have to wait. I don't, I, we'll see how that goes. But um, I will reach out and see if I can get a guest for Friday's episode. I know you guys are tired of hearing me talk. So um, there you have it, guys. Back tomorrow to wrap up this week and get you guys prepared for Sunday's game. And then we'll be back next week. Uh, just want to let you guys know what the typical schedule is going to be most weeks. Um, I won't necessarily adhere to this every week, but you know, Monday episodes, you're going to get a rapid reaction. Tuesday, you're going to get usually a Falcons guest to talk about Sunday's game. Uh, Wednesday will be your crossover show. Thursday will probably be a Q&A. And then Friday will sort of be our sort of fan talk up in the air if I can get another good guest during the week uh, that will probably often go up on Friday as well and you know we can sort of play around with the Thursday Friday stuff a little bit um, just because you know there's no sort of set idea of topic that we we have to hit on those episodes so obviously you know get your questions in for future Q&A's they will be often film related particularly during the season so but you know where to hit me up there Locked on Falcons on Twitter, Locked on Falcons on Facebook. Email address is lockedonfalcons at mail.com. If you didn't hear the news, falfans.com is no more. Uh, it's been down for, since like the beginning of July. And it's been a thing, you know, I won't go too deep into it, but it's been one of those things that my writing con- output has sort of disappeared over the last three years. Like I think I wrote two, maybe three articles this entire 2019 year and probably like two or three all of 2018 on Falcons.com. Um, you know, there wasn't that much traffic there. Like it was basically existing the last couple of years just as like posterity to old articles I had written many, many, many years ago when my output was really high back in like 20, 2010 through 2015 or, or whatever it was. Um, and so I just decided, like, it's not worth the cost to me. And, and while there was a lot of great content there, it was just one of those things where it's like this last issue with the, it being down because of some uh, code glitch or whatever the case may be, which contributed to why the site was down back in March as well. It was just like, it's, it's too much. Like, uh, you know, this is, I'm not, I'm not renewing it. So... Uh, I appreciate everybody that really contributed to that website over the years. I started that as a Yahoo GeoCities website way back in like July of 1999. And then it grew in com around 2002, 2003. I think that's when I first registered that domain. Um, and, you know, got a great community of people that regularly posted on the forums. And sort of the heyday of the forums was like 2005 through like 2007, I mean, 2014, I would say, um, that's where 2007 was when I first came across, you know, a young snot-nosed kid, uh, you know, posting about the Falcons in his computer lab by the name of Alan Sterk, uh, and friendships grew out of that, 
uh, for that community. And I really appreciate everybody that contributed to that site. Not only people like Chad Walton, who's been a guest on this podcast in previous years, contributing with his salary cap stuff. I mean, that was really kind of the, the onus behind that website when I originally, because I would be posting on the Falcons roost way back in the day when I, when I myself was a snot nosed high schooler, I think 15, 16 years old, posting on the Falcons roost. And I just kind of wanted to have a place where I could you know, link all the salary cap information I was throwing at people when I was posting those forums back in the day. And so that's really where the website came from. It was like, oh, this is just a place where I can have, you know, salary cap information and who's going to be a free agent next year. That was all it was. It was just a hobby website. I taught myself HTML code and whatnot, coded it all by hand for many, many years, probably up in, I think, 2006 is when I stopped coding it by hand. So, um, yeah, a lot of memories, man. I, I, again, I, I do really appreciate everybody and uh, all their kind words that they've expressed to me with the website and, and all the appreciation. You know, I always, it was a thing that I wanted, I knew because when I, when I really started writing on that website in earnest around 2006, um, the, the, there wasn't a lot of, Falcons coverage locally. There wasn't a lot of Falcons coverage nationally. And that always drove me to want to provide great insight. And, and that's led to things and opportunities like this, this podcast and whatnot. And I appreciate everybody who's encouraged me and given their support to me over the years for that. I'm not going anywhere from a podcast standpoint. I'm going to still be the same snarky guy on Twitter. Just, you know, there's not going to be necessarily an outlet for me uh, writing on websites and whatnot anytime soon. Um, you know, one of the things that I was hoping to do a couple of years ago, and I, I know I talked about this at various times on the podcast, uh, and it never came to fruition, but I wanted to sort of transition more to LockedOnFalcons.com a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, situations with sort of keeping those sites up and running didn't necessarily work out. Um, and I wanted to recruit more writers to, to join me on that. But, the, you know, that's just a missed opportunity. But this has been something that I've been sort of envisioning an end to falcfans.com for a number of years. And I just basically let it slowly, slowly die over the, like, the last three years. But like, I, I remember telling people like three, four years ago, they was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to bring the website back anymore. And I just kind of went through the motions these last couple of years. And it just, to me, it was like, look, it's 20 years uh, since, you know, I coded my first HTML on, on Yahoo GeoCities uh, way, way back in the day. So it's, it's a good time to get out now and the site's pretty much down anyway. So yeah, there you have it guys. RIP filefans.com. I probably, you know, as I mentioned on Twitter, I'll probably wind up train changing my Twitter handle probably after the season, but we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I'll probably forget about it and whatever. Um, so yeah, whatever, you know, any suggestions that you guys have, I, I, I will take all suggestions. And then I will not give you any credit when I steal your idea um, from you because that's just the way I am. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, I'm dragging out this episode. I'm rambling at this point. But, uh, yeah, until then, guys. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.